I'm not doing the big flashy intro today. I'm not going to, you know, ladies and gentlemen, all that stuff. Not happening. Uh, this is a real good show for the week of whatever week it is as you listen to this. Uh, what I wanted to do this week was, um, you know, reach out to a, a bunch of people, uh, industry people who uh, I'm I'm friendly with and, and that I know had a relationship like I did with... Um, with our friend Jason Botchford, I, w- I wanted to, I wanted to talk to them ab- about um, you know their memories of the man and, and put together some kind of uh, fitting fitting tribute, fitting fitting memorial to someone who uh, whose friendship over the last couple of years here meant meant an enormous amount to me. Um, and maybe I still will do that, or or maybe. You know, over the course of the summer here, I will wind up talking to a number of people that all knew Jason pretty well and, and can have things to say about him, um, you know, in addition as an, as an accoutrement to a larger conversation about whatever we're going to talk about. But uh, the timing just, I guess, didn't feel right this week to do it. Um, not for me, anyways. I, you know, have been sort of piecing myself back together uh after just being a wreck last week it's it's a process right every uh every day gets every day gets i guess a little bit a little bit easier and it's not um it's not that it's not that i'm forgetting about him it's that um you know i guess i guess uh you know, it, no, it's not. I was gonna say that you know, you you shut it out because it's painful to think about, and and you'd rather just not deal with those memories right now. I don't, I don't think that's true right now um, for me, anyways, either in terms of where I'm at because I'm thinking about them all the time. I think about them every day. Um, I I have I've changed the way that I uh, conduct myself uh, at work. In um, on Twitter, you know, uh, doing pub trivia in daily conversations with people. You know, I I don't think it's a secret if you've been a listener of this show over the last little bit that mentally I have not been in the best place. I mean, mentally, I haven't necessarily been in the best place for the entire time <laughs> that I uh, I've been doing this show for close to four years now, but, you know, certainly of late, it's been a struggle. I've been in a funk for a little while, and um, I do feel woken up a little bit by this. It puts my problems in perspective a little bit, but more than that, you know, um, he he set the standard for how to 
how to do this work and how to, you know, be a, an original. And there was a lot of talk late last week about how, you know, he is a singular talent whose work can not be replaced by any one individual. But I think if we all step up and do our part, the landscape of Vancouver sports media will be changed for this. And I saw a lot of pushback on that idea that, um, you know, people, people were, people were saying that they, they don't want a bunch of Jason Botchford imitators out there trying to be him. And if that's what you thought that uh, I or any number of people who made a similar point were talking about, I would say to you, <laughs> you missed the point. You know, I, I'm not, I'm not trying to be botch. I don't think anyone is. I think, I think the, the lesson to come out of this is to, to be true to yourself in a way that uh, I certainly wasn't over the last year, especially, um, you know, it's been hard to do the show by myself, but it's also been hard to do the show working within a corporation where I feel afraid of what I can and can't say. And I'm not the first person to feel that way. You know, I think, uh, you know, Sportsfeld certainly was a big influence of mine in starting this show in the first place. And uh, the Zoobs, Andrew Zuber, has been pretty honest about the fact that, you know, when the show went away for as long as it did, it was largely because he was working within a corporate structure and he he was afraid. He 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 did not want to upset the apple cart. That's certainly been a factor on how things have progressed or haven't progressed in terms of me doing this show by myself over the last little while. And I you know, I I I have allowed myself to I want to say feel muzzled because it's not like I'm being silenced. It's not like I, uh, you know, have these great secrets to spill that I'm being held back from. I, I have, I have willingly, or maybe out of professional cowardice, kind of um, held back on my true opinions on certain things, and. I'm doing myself a disservice if I let myself do that. And I'm certainly doing the memory of my friend a disservice as well. So this is not about replacing him. This is not about being, um, you know, a, a, a new Botchford for me or anyone. It's about being true to the voice inside of you. And for me, that means pouring myself into my work and, and, and showing the kind of personality that I have, my real personality when I do things, whether that's sports updates on News 1130, whether that's hosting pub trivia, you know, be uniquely you. Because that's why, that's why we love Jason Botchford, right? He was an individual. And no one can replace that, but we can all be the first version of ourselves in the most truthful way that we can. I've been thinking about that a lot over the last week or so. And I think that it's shown up in my work already in what I've done. You know, like I said, sports updates, pub trivia, every part of whatever you're doing, be uniquely you. Um, 
the uniquely me part of myself does not have a lot of jokes lined up this week. Might might still be too soon for that. But um, you know, I I, I didn't want to reach out to people who I feel like are still in the grieving period because I feel like I'm still in the grieving period. This is going to take a little while to feel to feel like it's not a bad joke or a weird dream or or anything like that that this is something you know that that that's real that happened to somebody that we uh that we love and cherish who who who's gone. It feels impossible, you know. But if there is a positive here, it's that I feel inspired to create something, to use my voice, to stand up and be uniquely myself, which means this show is making a roaring comeback. And I have plans for it over the course of the offseason into next year. I feel very excited about. I feel very inspired by. I hope you will be along for the ride with me. But, um, you know, this week, as I said, I, d- I didn't quite feel up to the task of putting a tribute show together, but I was a part of one already. I uh, was invited to guest on the Canucks Conversation with Chris Faber, a show that I've uh, appeared on in the past. And honestly, I have no idea how Chris was able to do the show that he was able to do this week because, um, you know, fresh in the moment, not even 48 hours removed from everything that had went on, uh, the announcement uh, of his passing, uh, uh, Jason Botchford's passing. Chris got eight people on the line, myself included, to share personal stories about the way he helped us and the way uh, he 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 lit the way for an entire generation of media, whether that's radio, uh, art, um, writers. He he had his he had his thumbs in every pie, and he. <laughs> He was committed to being a mentor, a coach, a friend uh, to a lot of people. And for Chris to put this show together uh, so quickly in the moment and spend like 12 hours doing it seems emotionally unbelievable to me. Um, and maybe it was therapeutic to do it. I know that like I, I wanted to do something like this this week and it didn't feel right for me. Um, it do, it doesn't you know even even just talking about sports it's like it's like who fucking cares right like we're not it's it's tough to go through the minutia of you know watching Thatcher Demko or Jacob Markstrom get injured at the World Championships of hockey and invest yourself in that the same way that you would have three weeks ago it doesn't. It doesn't matter to me at all. I I could I couldn't care less about that really. So, uh, you know, in that way, doing the job that I have to do of 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 uh, being on the sports desk and putting together updates and whatnot has been a, a bit trying. If that's trying, then I couldn't even imagine trying to put together the kind of show that I wanted to put together this week. And fuck, what a week too, right? Like. Just all of these outrageous things happening that Jason would have had a field day with, you know, whether that's Francesco Aquilini 
putting out a public statement that he's never uh, contacted Mike Gillis. Uh, this week, you know, you've got all these different things going on that, you know, are the kinds of stories that you would see and and uh, and and slide into the DMs with Jason and, and and say something like, can you believe this shit, right? Like the Milan Lucic to Vancouver rumors that will not go away and seem to continually aggressively build up um, as time goes on here. Uh, you know, even 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 the, the big story this week, the, the launch of a Vancouver-based conservative sports media website. Oh, like we really needed one of those. Uh, you know, the most underserved market in all of sports media, obviously, the viewpoints of conservative men. We just, we don't think about them enough. We don't cater to them enough. Kudos to you, Trevor Knapp, on what you're doing. <laughs> if that name is familiar to you, it's because last year he was the gentleman at the heart of the uh, Jake Vertanen scandal, quote-unquote scandal, in early September, where he went public with allegations that, oh, Vertanen was partying it up at the Roxy and making babies out on the dance floor. A story that was so stupid and fabricated that Jake, not only Vertanen himself, but his mother, too, came out and said I was at home last night um I guess so embarrassed had his had his reputation so shredded by the experience of of uh putting that story out there that he just bypassed the process of having a media career at all and he went the route of uh you know Gavin McInnes or uh you know uh Jack Posobiec or anyone like that 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 is um a failed stand-up comedian who becomes a a YouTube reactionary personality. Uh, that like you gotta fail at stand-up before you can do that, right? Um, I guess I guess Trevor failed at media before he uh, even got his toes wet. So went straight to being a conservative figure. That you know, oh, these these sports guys are just so mean to. Uh, to Donald Trump every time a team has to visit the White House. So it's time for me to try my hand at the right-wing media grift. Big congrats there. The only way that this pans out in any way positively is if he's, you know, going to tailor his coverage to this market, I don't know, being like um, like Benning Shapiro. Just defend Jim Benning. Um, well... You see, when 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 you talk about Jim Benning and his mistakes, well, um, uh, you, what you need to know and and realize is uh, he didn't actually want to sign a lot of the contracts that he signed, right? Like he he didn't even like those players. Those are a lot of Trevor Linden's mistakes that he gets ascribed to, and that's not really fair to him. History has been unkind to him, and it's time that we take back the legacy of Jim Benning. That's Benning Shapiro. Might be uh. Might be a running character on the show going forward, depending on how this stupid fucking website pans out. Anyway, <laughs> things like that keep happening, and it it makes you miss him because he he'd be out here, you know, fighting that fight and having the time of his life. Maybe not about a conservative uh, sports blog in the city, but certainly a number of Canucks topics that have popped up over the last little while and. 
it's hard to uh, care about such trivial things, right? I know sports is supposed to be a distraction from the the problems of our of our life. That's why we care about them in the first place. But when sports itself becomes something that you need a distraction from, I, I don't really know. I don't really know where to turn. Um, and I I will get back on that horse. I have a little bit even earlier this week coming out, you know, talking about. Um, my belief that Brendan Gauntz got done dirty by the Canucks this year or you know, pushing back on the idea that Tyler Myers is someone that the team should be going after. And, you know, I didn't do those things because that's important to me right now. I did it because... I think because we owe it to ourselves to be honest about our opinions on these things. Like I said earlier, you can only be yourself... And if there's going to be uh, narratives that you think are false or that are improper or might pick up steam to guide this team to places where it shouldn't go, then you need to raise your voice and step up and say no. Say this is stupid. Say these are bad ideas. You need – look, this is an owner. This is a team – that has clearly demonstrated over the the course of the last five, six, seven years, they are afraid of public opinion. They are afraid of the public perception of the things that they do. So you need to do everything that you can to try to alter the discourse. And the number one guy who could do that, the number one guy who could publish a piece that would set the talking points for all of the media figures in this city to react to, set the topics that everyone had to talk about on the radio uh, going forward from there. That guy is gone. And that falls to us. Not me. A collective. Everyone that he helped and everyone who's in this industry that's left behind. You know, I wanted to bring people on to tell their stories, but I also wanted to tell some stories of my own. And uh, like I said, I did that with Chris Faber. You can hear the entire podcast over on his feed. It's Canucks Conversation. Uh, Seven other people beyond me who just share their gut-wrenching truths. It is a difficult thing to listen to. It is more than five hours long. It is emotionally draining. It's like being used as a as a human speed bag. It just does not stop hitting you. Um, but instead of just retelling my own stories on this show so that you could hear them on this feed if you're a loyal listener of this program, uh, with Chris's permission, I uh, am just going to play the conversation that I had with him because you know, I I didn't want to do this. I didn't want to do this appearance on, on, on Faber's show at all. Um, I, I was just destroyed the Wednesday that the news came out on the Thursday. I tried to focus my emotion into something positive, something creative, the essay that I wrote, uh, about Botchford and and what he meant to me and what he meant to so many people in this city uh, that I put out on realgoodshow.com and was the companion piece to last week's podcast republishing the the donor episode that Botch had done with us. 
And it was a perfect distraction from all of the hurt that I was feeling at that time. And then I published it and it was like that distraction was gone. And all of the positives that I was trying to pull out of what is just an unimaginable tragedy uh, were far from my mind. It was like the distraction was gone and now you're just left with your sadness again. So I, I was in an awful state the day that Faber was recording this and, and I didn't want to do it. I was going to cancel. Um, I just felt speechless. I felt like I was going to come on and be despondent and have nothing to talk about. But I know that Chris is a longtime listener of this show. And I know that, you know, not to toot my own horn, but I, you know, it's, he's told me that he sees me as somebody who has cut a path in alternative media into the mainstream in this city. He, he looks up to this show. He looks up to me. And if that's the case, it did not feel acceptable to me. It did not feel acceptable to the memory of Jason Botchford to say no to a young person who wanted my help. And that's that's got to be the guiding philosophy for for all of us going forward. I want to thank Chris for letting me play this on Real Good this week. Um, these are my memories of Jason Botchford. I hope you enjoy. Thank you. You're so cool. You're so cool. You're so cool. All right, guys, joining me now, uh, a producer for Sportsnet 650. You can catch him on the game nights for the Vancouver Canucks. A podcaster as well, one that I've been listening to over the years. A friend of mine joined him over in Vancouver about a month ago, and uh, we drank a Vancouver Island staple, a couple of pitchers of Lucky. Uh, very glad to meet him that day, and uh, very happy to bring him on here again. Uh, welcome back to the Canucks Conversation, Justin Morissette. How's it going, man? I mean, uh, you know... I- not good, but, <laughs> yeah. but but at the same time, I, I, like I'm destroyed, honestly. But I I have a hard time saying that it, it's awful, that, that that everything is is shit because you know um, it's been so I think wonderful to read and hear um, people share what what he had done for them and what he meant to so many people. Um, you know, I think the, I think it's it's the instinct was to say in this city, but it, it it's beyond that. It's this province, it's this whole fucking country in a way, really. So, um, you know, uh, I I told you that I would be happy to come back and and uh, and talk to you again here on the conversation anytime you would have me. I, I just wish we were we're meeting again under better circumstances. I, I completely agree, man. And and you kind of talked about the outpouring of of everybody on social media and whether it be through writing or, or through some of the podcasts that came out and, and Justin, I just want to say, uh, uh, yesterday, uh, as I was kind of finishing up, I, I worked 64 hours and four days and I was down to that last hour. And, uh, 
and you dropped the real good um, episode there um, at 5 a.m. to get me through my last hour of that shift. And and looking back, actually, that that episode that you put out with Jason Botchford at the time, that's that's when I was I was listening to your show at the time, and that that episode jumped me into being a Patreon donor because I I loved your guys' work that you're doing at the time, and and I love Jason Botchford obviously as well, and and that was that was what got me in to you guys full on as a Patreon donor. That took me to the next level. And I remember you guys coming on the next week and saying, holy shit, I think you guys had like 30 more Patreon donors. And it was like, Jason Botcher just had that effect on people. And it's something that you guys talked about in that interview is, or, or what you kind of talked about in the intro there, like his his reach. He And it's something that it's, it's going to come up, I swear, in every single fucking conversation here. But he didn't have to do that, but he did. So I just, I kind of want to just ask you, man, like how did that relationship start with Jason Botchford and yourself and um before I, before I talk about that I, I I do want to say it was more than 30 new donors it was he boosted our uh you know our revenue that month by a good I want to say maybe more than three hundred dollars in terms of people who signed up to hear that episode when it dropped last year mm-hmm. and I think that is indicative of the way that you know, Andrew Walker talked a lot about this this week, that it is so difficult in this era when, you know, culturally, there's no, like, monoculture anymore uh, because of the internet. Like, we're not all watching the same TV shows and not all listening to the same music because, you know, people in boardrooms don't get to decide those things anymore. Right. Um, the, the way that the world works now, everybody has kind of infinite choices, which means we're more fractured and and doing our own thing than ever. And, and it is amazing that in a culture like this, in a time like this, he was still able to move the needle the way that he was, whether that was for us or for the athletic, which obviously he did a lot more for the athletic than he did for a real good show. But, um, you, you know, it just, it felt like a natural fit. Um, when he left the province, you know, uh, it, it seemed obvious to me that that was where he was going to end up because there's no one else in Vancouver. There's no one else in British Columbia. There's no one else who covers the Canucks who could get you to pay money Right. to read what he was doing night in and night out. Like, there just there just isn't. And I know uh, Jeff Patterson talked about this, that, you know, this idea that people are thinking, oh, they should just cancel their athletic subscriptions now because what's the point if he's not there? Um, you know, he, he did a lot to foster and de- develop and build that crew of contributors. Um, below him as the senior reporter uh, at the Athletic Vancouver. And all of those guys are just as affected as I am uh, by knowing him, uh, by, by getting to work with him, by having him uh, be a mentor figure for them. And uh, I think you owe it to him to continue to support that crew because what they do going forward um, is you know, in some ways, it's all for him. It's 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 the legacy that he has left with us, um, and in that way, you know, he he's gone, but he'll be here forever at the same time. So yeah, 
Yeah, I, I completely agree. And just you know, hearing hearing some of those people talk about it, I think that that two great examples are are JD and uh, and Harmon, and the fact that those guys are now with the Athletic. I, I completely agree with exactly what you said there. He's he's a guy who boosted them so much, and and yourself as well, man. Like. I just, I remember hearing him. I think one day on the pot, on the Pat Cast, he when he ran into you at a pub one time, and he was you know pumping your tires and saying how much. And you're a guy that I've been listening to for a long time, and I agree with exactly what he was saying. He was saying that, you know, you're one of the guys that that voice should be heard more in the Vancouver Canucks market. Your your ideas were out there, and Jason Botcher was out there. You know, that's what he wanted to promote. He wanted to he wanted to get away from the cookie cutter writer that was out there in Vancouver, and he absolutely. A thousand percent accomplished that, and I think that's what captured so much of Canucks fans. And it's something that we've heard a lot of: is he wasn't a fan of this team, but he was a fan of every Canuck fan, and he had time for everyone. and And I, I loved that about it. I loved that about Jason, and it was, it was something that he, you know, he he changed he changed a lot of people in in such a good way, and it's it's amazing because what what writer can say that they did that? For everyone, what writer can say that they influenced other people? I, I, I remember when I had him on my show. I, you know, I, I go on a rant like him, and I, I, I don't do that. That's that's not the person I am. But I, just the fact that he was on my show, I wanted to like impress him and be like, I can, I can rant too. I can yell too, and I, and I did, and uh, it was, it was so cool, you know, to, to even just, you know, get to chat like that with him and, and try and be botched for like 30 minutes because he was, he was such a cool guy in, in the end. For, for sure, man. And, you know, I think that touches on something that's also amazing about him is that, you know, um, I, I went to that uh, athletic kind of season launch event that was at the Pint back in, I think, early October of last year. Yeah. And that's, you know, when at the end of the night, after they had finished their kind of live back and forth podcast that wasn't recorded sort of deal that they did in the basement of the pine, you know, he mixed and mingled with a bunch of different people, but ultimately it, 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 towards the end of the night, there, there was like a group of, of six people just standing in a circle and it was me and JD Burke and Israel fear and, uh, and botch and, kind of just a, a, an assorted array of different fans of his who all wanted to be in that circle hearing us talk. And I shared uh, something that I had come up with about how, you know, Michael Grabner was right. not in favor of Elaine, uh, in, the, in the good graces of Elaine Vigneault in 2009, that he was traded away in part because, you know, uh, as much as it was like maybe Mike Gillis's big bargaining chip that he could make a move with, he didn't have a coach that believed in the player. So, you know, if you if you you should do something about that while the guy still has value, perhaps. And I talked about, you know, that Av got Grabner back two years ago in New York, and he played the shit out of him. He yeah. got rewarded with thirty goals. Played him on the PK all the time. He scored shorties, like, left and right. And what was the difference between Michael Grabner then and Michael Grabner back in 2009? The answer is absolutely nothing. Yeah. He was the same player. He never changed. He just had a coach that accepted his fault. 
faults because when you're a veteran player, you're allowed to have warts as long as you have strengths that override them. Mm-hmm. And when we deal with rookies, we never look at that the same way. It's like a guy has to be perfect or I don't trust him at all. And so I told that story, and Botch thought it was great, obviously. And he took that, and he tweaked it a little bit uh, to make it less about Nick Dobin, which was the point that I had been driving at the way Goldie gets treated by both you know, the coaching staff and, and certain sections of media in the city. And he tweaked it to be more about the idea that Elias Pettersson needed someone this season to watch over him, that he needed like a Louis Erickson on his wing to make him dependable. Fucking no! No, he didn't! He never did! Yeah. Just trust him to play his game and he will reward you if you put that trust in him. And, I mean, I think it's no secret when you look around the media that it's it's difficult to come up with a unique take, right? It is hard to find an angle that nobody else is hitting. Right. And Botch could do that a lot. With ease. With absolute ease. But also, I gave him one, and he took it from me, (laughs) and he used it all year long. He told that story on the PatCast. He told that story uh, at the Power Hour Live at the Rio Theater. He told that story like three or four times over the course of the year. And it is incredible that, like, I don't care, you know? Any other person who took your take and used it as their own, you'd be pissed. Yeah. But, like, what the fuck, man? That's my shit. <laughs> and yet, for, for him to do it, it was, like, this deep honor. He thought what I said was so smart that uh, he, he needed to, to take it into his, his gospel, incorporate it into the Book of Botch, and yell it on the mountain any chance he could. And... Um, I think that also speaks to the way that the Pravis and the Athletes work as well, right? Because, look, a, a lot of that content that's in there was him, was him taking a clear stand and and spelling things out that he believed in. Uh, and obviously had a bunch of game quotes from guys in the locker room, and he would take unique angles when he asked questions as well. But I think a lot of the reason that people would get hooked to the Pravis initially beyond the fact that he was just a brilliant writer who was so tapped in on the pulse of not just the team but the market as well is that you were a part of the Athletes. You were a part of the Pravis. Mm-hmm. Like, there was a chance that, you, you know, as part of the excitement of opening it every night was <laughs> not just, like, I can't wait to see what his is going to be on tonight's game. It's this anticipation that, like, oh my God, am I? Am I going to be in the Provis tonight? Am I going to be in the Athletics tonight? And every time it happened, you know, you'd get texts and Facebook messages from, you know, so many people the, the next morning. People maybe like from high school that you haven't even spoken to in like 12, 13 years would message me and be like, holy shit, dude, you made the problem. And I'd just be like, that's right. I did. Fuck yeah. (laughs) And, and like, you know, that, that is, that's his trick. That's his secret is that it was never, 
all about him, right? We all idolized him, but it was actually never about him as well. He would never be the one to put that spotlight on himself. He tried to pass it on to anyone else that he could at, at all times, basically. As much as he, you know, screamed about not getting hat tips or lap pads <laughs> and, and he wanted the credit that was owed to him, he also was reluctant to take credit for a lot of things and and would pass it on to as many different people as he could. And, and um, that kind of unselfishness, that kind of uh, ability to use your platform to elevate others and, and raise other people up and have care for that next generation of talent coming up in the city, like, that is so rare that is that is like you you don't see anyone like that mm-hmm. it's 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 impossible this industry is too competitive but he was just such a naturally generous and giving and kind caring person and and that's you know that's that's what he's left with all of us is to kind of internalize that and and try and uh and try and carry that forward with the way that we act towards each other as well and uh, there's there's something there that I kind of wanted to touch on, and, and Justin, first of all, I, I think I, I, if I didn't mention it before, your your article on Real Good Show, um, there's there's a story in there about uh, a media night that you went to for the first time. Would you mind getting into that a little bit? I thought that was pretty amazing in your writing. Yeah, uh, that was a that was an interesting night. That was uh, that was back at the beginning of last season. This was where my friendship with Jason really took off basically this is when we met for the first time after kind of being friendly and and going back and forth both uh, openly on twitter and and in dms as well for for several years before that but i'd never met him before i went to uh an event at the sports bar at rogers arena before the beginning of the 27 uh 2017-18 canucks season and uh, you might know this about me already if you follow me on Twitter or you know who I am or, or, or listen to uh, my work, but <laughs> a, a really weird thing happened to me at the start of that season, which is that the Canucks themselves reached out to me and invited me to be part of uh, a social media influencer program, which I don't, I don't think they want me to be talking <laughs> publicly about necessarily I don't even know if the program still exists I have no idea if they brought it back this season I didn't get a, invited to be a part of it again if they did which is fine um, it was super weird being in it as a, as a media member anyways. and and hey look did they did they try to buy my love did they give me gifts to be a part of this thing yes they did they gave me a $20 gift card, which I used to buy a hat that I gave to a friend as a Christmas present, <laughs> and they gave me uh, three sets of tickets to uh, some games over the course of the season, but the thing is, at the same time that I got invited to be a quote-unquote Canucks influencer, I also got hired to work at Sports 650 as the studio producer for Canucks Broadcast. So I couldn't actually use any of those tickets, <laughs> and I, w- I wound up giving them all away to uh, friends and family members. So, you know, does that make me the the Robin Hood of influencers? <laughs> I like to think yes, it, it does. But I am not 
when you when you hear the phrase Justin Morris, that social media influencer, I am not one of those people who, you know, went to Fire Festival or whatever. <laughs> I am I'm uh, I'm broke. I'm a fucking loser. Like I am not one of those guys. Anyways, this is all backstory to going to the event because I like they they had a launch event. They had like a little mingler that they wanted to bring everyone out to explain the program, uh, basically tell me that they wanted to use me as like a PR sleeper cell to promote certain uh, initiatives throughout the season. And and uh, I was like, sure, yeah. If, if this, yeah, why not? $20 gift card to the team store. Sure, Sold. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, uh, I, I am not the million dollar man. I, I do have a price. And it is a very low price, and I can be bought uh, very simply, very easily. Uh, but I rolled up to this thing having just at the same time, like I said, at the same time I got invited into this program, I got hired to work at Sportsnet 650, which was like a dream come true as someone who, you know, had been in this industry for, fuck, I've been in this industry for 10 years now, which is insane to think about. Um, and, and that job, which I only got two years ago, was my first job, like, actually inside a corporate structure and not, you know, indie journalism, indie radio, that all that sort of stuff. So it felt like a huge deal to me to get this job, something that I thought would honestly maybe never happen because, you know, if it hadn't happened yet, why would it happen now? And I turn up to this thing... You know, just excited to kind of pick up my envelope full of tickets and, and enjoy a couple free drinks and and uh, knock back some, some appetizers from their new menu that they were unveiling, from their new chef as well, mm. uh, and, and just to see the sports bar, which I'd never been in before. Uh, but I was actually just mortified to get there and realize, oh, wait a second, this is not, this is not a mingler for for influencers. It, I mean, it is, in a way. You know, uh, the, the all kinds of people, prominent people from Canucks Twitter were there, guys like, you know, Canuck Clay and, and, and all those types of folks. They wanted to bring those people in and, and you know, reward them for the way that, I think, you know, I, I, I looked at it like they were trying to buy me off so that I would stop being so negative on Twitter. But it's, you know, if you're a hockey team, you probably realize that any publicity is good publicity. So uh-huh. even if I'm constantly tweeting all the time about how much this team just, like, fucking sucks and disappoints me constantly, I'm still tweeting about the team constantly and giving them, I guess, some modicum of exposure. I have no idea. But this was, this was, not, this was not an event for, you know, me and the Canuck Clays of the world. This was also the season launch party the entire Vancouver sports media scene, like everyone from all the papers, all the radio stations, everyone, all the all the TV stations, they were all there. And I did not realize that it would be like uh, like an industry party, like a semi-formal sort of thing. So I roll in, and you know, Sat and John are there. They're wearing their their best suits. Everybody's wearing a fucking suit to this thing, and I am wearing a pro wrestling t-shirt, jeans, and a Vancouver Canucks ball cap. 
I felt I felt embarrassed just in the way that I was dressed, and I felt extremely uncomfortable because here I am entering a room that is full of prominent fans and prominent media, and I am supposed to belong to both, but I actually belong to neither, really, because I didn't actually officially have my job yet. I've been working in that capacity for about two and a half, three weeks at that point, but, you know, the I's had not been dotted, the T's had not been crossed. And I also was not really a fan anymore, given that I was about to work this media job. So I felt, like, mortified, petrified, awful the entire time that I was there. And, you know, uh, even before I started working at 650, I had been familiar uh, with John Jang, somebody that I worked with at 127 The Peak, uh, Brendan Batchelor is a longtime friend of mine as well. So there were people in that room that I knew and felt comfortable with and could just kind of chat with and make jokes with and and uh, and, and feel like, oh, I'm not as horribly out of place here as I feel in my heart at the moment. But this is a mingling event. This is, you know, you're supposed to be schmoozing on some level with as many different people as you can. So even the people that I know and I'm trying to hang out with, uh, eventually just kind of leave where we are standing, eating uh, chicken wings and, you know, grilled cheese sandwiches or whatever. <laughs> and then and I'm suddenly left all alone. And not, like, all alone in a place where it wouldn't be noticeable that I was all alone, like if I was sitting along the bar or whatever and just having that beer and eating the food that I was eating. I was right smack dab in the middle of the room, and I felt... <laughs> so incredibly out of place and in that exact moment at a time when you know my anxiety because i do have social anxiety uh in certain situations sometimes i know it might not always seem that way given how uh, i put myself out there all the time but uh it was, it was flaring up in, a, in an extremely big way and and right at the moment that i felt the worst about myself and being in that room Jason Botchford came over to me and he like was he he wanted to talk to me about about everything. He we we like I said this was the first time that we had met in person after years of of being friendly with each other and he had all kinds of questions that he you know things that he had picked up on just from reading my tweets over the years that he knew about me. Uh, about my old jobs, about my, my work in, in junior hockey, both in, in Surrey and, and up north uh, in Dawson Creek. He wanted to know about what it was like, how thrilled I was to be starting at 650. He wanted to know about a real good show. He wanted to know about my life and my friends and, like, all these different questions. This was not, you know, so how about those Canucks sort of idle chatter. This was someone who was deeply invested in me as a person and and also felt really fucking uncomfortable being in that room as well. I think that's one of the things that has come up when people have talked about Botch this week is that, uh, you know, he, he was also probably much more comfortable uh, behind a, a computer and being... Uh, being uh, online and, and, and being on Twitter or being on message boards uh, than he was being in a room like that as well. Um, so he kind of identified what I was going through in that exact moment, maybe not to the full extent because 
I didn't uh, sort of let on that that was happening because one of the things that you do when you feel uncertain and anxious about things is just pretend that everything's fine. <laughs> you know what? I got no cares in the world here. So I did not I did not tell him uh, what was going on in my mind in that moment, but we had a good conversation. And he kind of, you know, just in, in treating me the way that he treated me, at the end of talking to him, even if, you know, I, I did not go on to, to schmooze with uh, all these big shots, if I, if I only talked to uh, a bunch of people from Twitter that I sort of knew already the rest of the night, he calmed me down and he made me feel like I belonged in that room. And um, that was really an important and incredible thing that he did in that second. Um, and, and, and I eventually, you know, we, we, we became like pretty, pretty tight, uh, as, as time went on from there, because, uh, when he would finish the Provies and the Athletes, uh, I think a couple people, Trevor Martins maybe talked about this week, just seeing him being the only person left mm-hmm. as, Trevor uh, was packing up like the the broadcast gear at the end of the post game show. That, that it would just be the cleanup crew and and the the you know the the broadcast producer and and Botch would be the only guy left in the press box because he would stay there until he finished writing the, the Provies or the Athletes, uh, the Botchies really, um, and and he would and. And he would, uh, you know, self-publish, which Paul Chapman also talked about this week. He was the only writer who had the ability to do that. Yeah. And it was just because it was so late that, like, no fucking editor is going to stay up to, <laughs> to, to fix his mistakes. You know, I, I think part of the fun thing about reading uh, the botches is that uh, they were full of typos and, and errors and, you know, uh, broken links and things like that because he would just, be in a rush to get it out and he would publish it and then you could go back and read it the next day and it would be fully tidied up because <laughs> those things got edited on the fly uh, which is charming and I'm not I'm not throwing shade by any means I actually love that about reading them mm-hmm. um, but, but I think you know everybody knows this and, and you work nights Chris so I think you would understand as well that uh, that when you you know are are doing something creatively like that uh you get a rush off of it right mm-hmm. so when you when he would finish and publish these pieces um he he would not be able <laughs> to just go home and go to sleep immediately that's not like even even if you work like i work as a bartender also and and i and i you know, you get off work at like 3 a.m. and you come home and, and any normal person would be like, well, it's 3 a.m., I gotta go to bed now. But you got, you need time to decompress, and especially if you've been doing something creative that you're gonna be riding a rush off of, like, you need that adrenaline to kind of subside as well. Um, and because of my role at the radio station, being the studio producer who was, you know, putting podcasts together of the games and the, and the post-game shows and all that sort of stuff and, and putting together uh, proof of performances for all of our ad reads and for Safeway score and win and things like that that, that took time after the 
game was already over, uh, I would still be at work while he was also still at work, and and we might have been like the only people in the uh, Canucks media sphere who were still <laughs> awake at those hours. So I would, you know, get in the habit of reading the Provies and the Athletics uh, immediately as he would post them. And as soon as I was done reading them, I would talk to him about them. I, I slid into the, the, his DMs, and, you know, if he had taken uh, a quote, like a, a, a transcription tweet from the 650 account and, and used it as content in his piece, um, like I, there was a good chance that I was the one who had transcribed those quotes and, and that um, if he had maybe I felt misread something or got something wrong because the tone had changed as a result of me having to cut out the words here and there because of just the confines of 280 characters. I wanted to correct that and let him know like that I thought he was misreading tone or, or what, what have you. So it started out as like, uh, hey, just so you know, sort of thing. And then we would just talk about, you know, everything. And it would go on. Like I would get DMs from him at, you know, you name it, <laughs> all hours of the night, um, like 4, 4.15, 5.30, 2, you know, whatever. Like it, there was just, there was no sort of set timeline in terms of like, this is my window to talk to Blotch. We talked all the time uh, about, about hockey mostly. Um, but also just about uh, the industry, and, and he became someone that I could uh, lean on and, and confide in with, you know, my uh, career ambitions and, and my career struggles as well. And and he was somebody who fully believed in and supported me and, and everything that I want to achieve uh, in this business. And you know, it's it's funny to to feel like I'm so far away from having things happen because on the outside you would look at my position right now and say well you're in the building and you have this job where you work on the Canucks broadcast but it's the same thing as when I worked at the peak in a way where you know I desperately wanted to have a, a bigger role there and when you're so close to it it, it almost feels like it's never been further away hmm. um that to not have a job, I would feel like I might, the dream might feel more real to me than to be close to it and still feel like it wasn't going to happen, you know? Um, and I don't know. I have no idea what's going to happen in my career. But sometimes, you know, you have doubts and, 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 and you can be self-critical and you can feel down and you can feel like, you know, what's the fucking point of this? Nothing's ever going to go my way. And... He was just there to be, you know, somebody to listen to my problems and somebody to guide me and offer me advice and not just, you know, work issues, but in my life. And, and, and I have never had somebody in this business that I would look at as a mentor, you know, um, I, I've just, I haven't, that hasn't been my situation to this point. Um, and he... And he became that for me over the last couple years. He was somebody that uh, I confided in a lot. He was somebody that I trusted 100%. And he was somebody that 
you know, was always kind and was always supportive and always had time to hear what I was going through and offer any sort of guidance that he could because, you know, he had been through similar situations when he was, you know, obviously working in another facet of the industry as a print journalist, but he knew, like, the structures and power dynamics. He was familiar with everything that I was going through. And it's just, it's, it's so rare to find someone like that who, you know, you admire so much, who also has admiration for you in return and wants to help you and, and make sure that, that he does everything that he can to make sure you get where you're going. And, um, you know, I, I only had been close with him for, uh, the last two years, but, uh, I really felt like he, he was somebody that was going to be there for me forever. And uh, it's, it is just a devastating loss. I am absolutely fucking crushed, man. I can't tell you how much he meant to me. I, I can, I can, I just, that's, that's an amazing, amazing way to put it, Justin. And, and just to kind of echo from what you just kind of said there, I think, you know, it's something that you even wrote. And I think if, if Botch was here and he heard this, I think you know exactly what he'd say. He'd, he'd say, relax, you belong here. It's what you wrote in your article there. And, um, you know, I, I think that he saw what what you bring to the to the Canucks Twitter. It's it's why I've been following you. It's I, I see what you're up to, and I know that I know that you belong here. And I think that's that's what he kind of mentioned and just fed to you. And and uh, yeah, it's 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 a devastating loss. It's it's something that you know even just you know I hear your story, and I, and I think your story is absolutely amazing. And and the the thing is, there's. There's a hundred other ones that are that are the same that are not the same but similar stories to yours and the fact that he reached out and affected so many people in that way. You know, I bet that that room you were in when you talked about there in the media room, I bet that he he probably did that to multiple people in that room because because that's the way he was. I think and and not knowing him personally, I just I got that vibe just from the way that he interacted with people and and there's you know there's there's not a lot of people out there that would have gone up to you. And I'm sure you knew that sitting in that room and being there, you know, feeling a little bit anxious and, and, and worried that things weren't going great. I mean, you showed up in a wrestling shirt. I think that, I'm sure, I don't know if you were like looking for a guy in a Canucks Jersey to hang out with or something at that event, too. but you know, like it's, I, 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 I think that's, that's just an amazing story. And uh, it, it's crazy because the way that we all felt so connected with him, it felt like he, it felt like he grew up with us. Like it felt like he was he was there with us, you know, growing up and being a Canucks fan from a kid. But there was there's one thing, and and I've listened I've listened back. Obviously, I remember listening to your your podcast with Botch when it first came out. But just listening again this morning, um, there was one there was a question you asked him, and, and I thought his answer was so perfect. He um, he you asked uh, you're a Toronto guy, eh? And and he responded with, "Well, I'm from there." And He's a Vancouver guy, all in all, and, and that's that's something why us why fans just loved him. He he was from Toronto, like he answered your question, but he was a Vancouver guy, and he he loved us fans, and, and we all fucking loved him. He he was our champion, and hundred percent. He would he would take up the fight with literally anyone, yeah. whether it was Damian Cox or Steve Simmons or John Shannon or. You know, the list goes on and on. Local media figures, national media figures. If there was something that he did not think was fair or accurate or 
you know, uh, a, 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 a reflection of what the situation really was, or that people were just dumping on this team for no reason, he was going to get on his horse and tell those guys to get fucked. Yeah. And that rules. We never, honestly. we've never seen that. We've never seen uh, that. Like, you know, a willingness to go, like, you know, clash with any media figure without fear of reprisal or that there would be professional consequences for doing this. You know, there were professional consequences for doing this. There yeah. were good consequences. It, it meant that fans could look at him and see themselves and see somebody who had their best interests at heart and was always going to stick up for what was right. Like, he was just the fucking best. And, you know, like you said, like, the most amazing thing about my story and the way that he supported me is that I'm not special. I'm not unique. I am not the only person who got to know him this way. He took on this role, this, you know, coaching, teacher, mentor role for countless people. The number is unquantifiable. And and it's like he he worked on us all like a little project, right? Yeah. Like like I think Tom Drance probably was one of the first people to get this treatment from him where yeah. you know, he he would he would he would rip Tom all the time mercilessly. He would just you know he would go at his opinions that he did not agree with, and yet that's also why he loved him. He found a capable and willing sparring partner who was going to disagree with him. Um, and and then and you know eventually Tom went from this part-time writer who was you know banging out articles in secret as he was supposed to be doing real work in his office job <laughs> to to a guy who became a full-time journalist to a guy who is now the head of PR for an NHL team. Yeah. You know, he he saw him through from beginning to end of that journey and, and I'm sure that they were still friends and that they still interacted after Tom took that role with the Panthers. But at the same time, I'm sure there's a part of Botch who saw him take that job and was like, okay, my work here is done. Yeah. Time to find another one. Time to find another person that I can elevate and do exactly for him what I have, have done for Tom. And, and you know, I, 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 I don't mean to just say guys and him, because it's, it's women too. It's people like Georgia. And, you know, it, it, is, it is just the fact that he it was so involved. He was not just a journalist on Canuck Twitter. He was an active member of it. And so he got to know people online and to appreciate their talents and to try and go out of his way to raise them up. And um, I just, yeah, I, yeah. there's never going to be another one like him, man. He, he, I can't, obviously my heart is, is broken for his family, for three young children who are now going to be forced to grow up without a man who I can only assume, given the way that he treated people like me, was a fucking incredible father. Yeah. Um, 
and that is the worst part of this ultimately but it is a huge loss for every single one of us and uh i will i will never get over this this is this is just the worst week yeah and and you kind of said it you'll, you'll never get over this and and i think that's the best way for everyone to look at it we should we'll never all of us will never get over botch and that's that's something that i think and you you know what you said it the best there justin just as as we're kind of closing out here man um he he was our champion. He was Canucks Twitter's champion. You know what? Like Canucks Twitter wasn't a thing until Botch arrived. He, you know, there was people tweeting about Canucks and and people were interacting with each other. But Canucks Twitter is because of Jason Botchford. In the I end, joined Twitter because of Jason Botchford. Exactly. In two thousand nine, like there was a time when people would like link to his tweets on message boards. Yeah, and I would see his stuff that way um but i he, i don't know if he locked his account or something or if there was a setting that you could make where like you could only view <laughs> his tweets if you had uh you know an account and were following him yeah so he forced my hand i was someone <laughs> who at the advent of twitter was like this is so stupid what a dumb website that i will never use uh, and ultimately, I was probably right. What a dumb website <laughs> that has ruined my brain forever. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, it's made my life immeasurably better. I would not have the relationship that I had with him if I had not joined Twitter. So yes, yes, he is the godfather of Connect Twitter. He literally forced people to sign up and get involved and 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 be uh, an active participant in our online community. He fostered community more than anyone else in this market. And that is what he should be remembered for. Not, you know, being a guy who was combative and willing to, uh, you know, engage uh, in heated arguments with fellow media members. You know, he had a reputation among people in the industry as being a troublemaker, being a, a fire starter, somebody who burned bridges in his wake left and right. And he relished that reputation. He loved it. He was yeah. fully aware. He liked being thought of that way. But secretly, like, he he was a sweetie, man. He was a, a stealth softie, a secret sweetie. He he was just the nicest man. And, um, and he, you know, set the blueprint for how we should treat each other going forward. I completely agree. And... Um and Justin, I, I think we'll we'll kind of just end on that, man. That's I think this is the way to close out this conversation. And I guess, you know, you, you already touched on a little bit, just sending your sending your thoughts and prayers out to the family. But if, if there's anything else you want to kind of close out with here, the the floor is open for you, man. Uh, just that the one bit of solace I have been able to take over the last week is that for whatever reason, and it's uh, you know maybe it goes back to. My, my real good show sign off be real be good be real good <laughs> I try to live like that but it's not just a catchphrase I try to be as honest and sincere with people as I possibly can be uh, and because of that I told him constantly how much he meant to me and how much I loved him and how just you know incredible he was that he was he was the Tony Gallagher of this generation Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's it's it, it was not a secret to him, you know. He might not he might have disagreed. He might have thought that that praise was too much, but he knew it because I told him all the time. And 
uh, he knew that I loved him, and um, and that's the only that's the only positive that I can draw from all of this is that I don't have to go through the rest of my life thinking that there are these dangling loose threads that I will never be able to wrap up with him. So, um, you know, if tell the people that are important to you that they're important to you, you might not get the chance when it's time to do it. So that's all I can say. Thanks, Justin. Thank you. Take the line the other 
what's would is you, it torture? Would you recommend, Jesus Christ, would you are you listening to, the, to me? Yeah, yeah, I'm just saying. Fifty six, like <laughs> random. You, these are professionals. Would, would, you, would you recommend Dude. it to like the military as like yeah, a, right, a government torture I process would, or whatever? Like fuck, like <laughs> is it torture? Like you, <laughs> fuck off.